What? I don't know. <laughs> if you hit recording on progress, then you start laughing. I don't know. I just, this is, I mean, there's so much anticipation here. I feel like you said Shania Twain. And I'm like, mah, mah. okay, Shania Twain. And then I started learning about her and I'm like, oh my God, I think I'm in love with her. I'm literally in love with her. She was on my wall in the 90s. She made the bedroom wall. You know oh, that, that sounds is? lustful. You're a teenager. You're allowed to do that kind of thing. It'd be weird if it was, you know, when I was 40, my, my wife was like, what the hell is that? <laughs> well, I mean, was it at a highly doubt? I highly doubt it was just her looks. I mean, obviously she's hot as hell, but girl is talented. Oh yeah. That's why I had her up on the wall. I, I was very attracted to her success in the nineties. <laughs> she's Canadian. That's maybe that's it. I'm very patriotic. That's why I had her up. Listen, you were into country music. I mean, that's your thing. And that's I mean, we think about country music artists. I mean, she's one of the top names, right? I mean, I'm not really into country music. You tell me. Yes, she's one of the top names. She's probably the biggest <laughs> selling female artist in history. <laughs> one of the top names. Career breakdown in under a minute. Shania Twain, born August 28th, 1965, a Canadian singer-songwriter who became one of the most popular crossover artists of the mid-1990s. She started out playing in bars in her hometown of Timmins, Ontario, eventually leading to a gig at a resort near Toronto. She created a demo of her original tunes, catching the attention of producer Nora Wilson, who took her to Nashville, Tennessee, to record her first album called Shania Twain. It only sold 100,000 copies, which in the industry is considered a flop, but her talent and gorgeous gorgeousness caught the eye of another producer, Robert Mutt Lang, who had a highly successful career producing albums for Def Leppard, Brian Adams, and Michael Bolton. They would become romantically involved and two years later released the album The Woman in Me, critically and commercial smash, selling more than 18 million copies and winning a Grammy Award for Country Album of the Year. Her third album, Come On Over, in 1997, Twain produced chart-topping hits on both the country and pop charts, and following year, she embarked on her first North American tour. By 1999, Come On Over had sold more than 10 million copies, which made Twain the first female recording artist in any genre to have two consecutive albums in the top 10 million mark in copies sold. In 2002, she released her highly anticipated album, Up, followed by her greatest hits collection in 2004, followed by a messy divorce from Mutt in 2010. She now has a residency in Vegas, looks and sounds better than ever. Now let's find out how she got to the top while two self-help junkies uncover the tools and takeaways that made her the best-selling female country artist in history. Starting off with her early life is where I was like, holy crap, we're onto some crazy ass story because yeah, she's accomplished a lot, but what she came from and how hard she's been working for as long as she's been working is stupid. Did you know about like the whole bar situation? I was a trust fund baby. Is, am I wrong on that one? What? No. Are you making oh, one of your jokes? Twain. Sorry, I thought we were talking about someone else. Okay. Yeah. No, she was, she grew up super poor and she was, they were scraping by and making, making ends meet any way they could. So it doesn't surprise me that her mom wanted to bring her to the bar at a young age. Okay. But I don't think there's ever like a point where like, oh, it's understandable to take your children to the bar at midnight. Not no, to drink. Know. It was that they weren't drinking buddies. It was to sing. <laughs> yeah, but I don't think it had anything to do with income. It's her mom saw that she had her child had a crazy talent. So she was adamant on you're going to make it as a singer. And so I heard, I think it was Shania who said in an interview that her dad wasn't for it, but her mom would like sneak her out. And sometimes he'd be waiting on them awake when they got back and he'd be upset. I think we're getting into the weeds really quickly, but I mean, do you think that the mother did it because she's a good mother or because it's like a lotto ticket for her? It was probably a mixture of both because I know she said that her mom 
And I don't know if her dad was really into music. So I can't imagine, you know, I mean, if one of your boys, like you could saw it was had a natural bent towards comedy, that'd probably excite you quite a bit or music because you're a musician and a comedian. And that's something that you love. And if you see they have a gift towards it, wouldn't you get excited? I would. Maybe I'm being too hard on the mom. Okay. Well, we don't mean to be too hard on the mom. But listen, when I said her dad, her parents were divorced when she was young and the man that she grew up with was Jerry Twain. Her mom was Sharon. And I don't think Jerry was, I, I know she loved him a lot, but there was a lot of talk, especially in her memoir about him being abusive. It didn't seem like a, a wonderful environment to grow up in. No. And I don't mean this like in a negative way towards Shania. It's completely understandable. But even when you see her in interviews and stuff like the word trauma just comes up for me quite a bit. You can see that she's just gone through a hell of a lot in her life. Do you think trauma has anything to do with the drive to succeed or is that completely unrelated? I think she was exposed so early to, hey, you're a great singer. Let's make something happen with it. I mean, imagine being eight, nine years old, woken up in the middle of the night and being taken to a bar with a bunch of drunk men to stand on a stage and sing. I mean, I know I'm sitting on that one thing, but I think that from her childhood really, really stuck out to me. Yeah, she said that they didn't have a lot of food to eat and they would, quote, eat the poor man's sandwich a lot. And her Jerry was violent towards her mom. And there was a lot of, you know, witnesses of him attacking her mom. I mean, all of that, all of that is terrible. And then the added bonus, a side note, on Tuesday night, you're going to go in a bar at 1 a.m. and sing in front of a bunch of weird ass men. <laughs> it's an unusual upbringing, that's for sure. Yeah. She started singing at the age of three, playing guitar at eight, writing her own songs at 10. So she pretty much said she grew up singing in clubs and at community events. And at the age of 18, she decided to make a singing career in Toronto. Do you know where Toronto's at? Canada? Is that Canada? Uh, I do, I've, I've heard of Toronto, but it's actually a place called Huntsville, Ontario. And I'm familiar with that because my dad was in a bluegrass band for 30 years and they used to do the uh, bluegrass awards there. Is that it's like a, a bluegrass station? No, not at all. But it's like there's a resort there called Deerhurst Resort. And uh, we used to go there every year. And the big deal, their claim to fame was, oh, Shania used to be here. So I've been going there since the 90s, and Shania was already a superstar by then. But to say, you, you would mention that she's, like her mom saw something in her. That's, I mean, she's learned to play guitar at three and then started writing songs at 10. Like, that's, that's phenom territory, I would say. What's phenom mean? I mean, I don't, like, Tiger Woods. Like, people that are just, like, a completely extraordinary at, at, at their craft. You know what I mean? It's, okay, I play guitar. I didn't start till I was, like, 16. You know what I mean? I didn't start writing songs until the same time. At 10, I was literally, I was probably playing Mario Kart with my neighbor. That's as far as my creativity went at that age. Well, you know, if you think about it, we're at such an advantage, I mean, a disadvantage and advantage where, with social media, if your kid is, like, a prodigy and he's no talent in them, it's more likely you're going to record a video and put it everywhere. Now, whether that's right or wrong, whatever, you don't have to drag them out of bed and put them at a bar at midnight to sing because they can get exposure on YouTube right now. Fair. That is fair. 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 So what's not fair is in 1987, I think she was around 17, 18 years old. Her parents, Jerry and her mom, Sharon, were both killed in a car accident, which obviously is traumatizing, losing your parents. But then also you couple that with, had these siblings that she, now she was responsible for. So she's 17, 18 years old. She's a singer. She's only known singing. And now she has to financially provide for her siblings and deal with all that trauma. 
Do you think that is a drive to succeed? A hundred percent. It was kind of a rhetorical question. I already knew the answer. <laughs> like, no. <laughs> that, that, come on. I would just get lazy then. No, but what's interesting about that is at that point, I know she mentioned that she thought about kind of giving up singing because like, what's the point now? I have to kind of grow up and take care of them. But instead, and we'll move on into that, she decided to go ahead and lean in and seek a job as a musician. To that last point, it's a lot of people do that in their, you know, they'll, they'll try out the creative thing for a number of years. And then it's like, you know what, it's time to grow up and get a real job. Why can't music be a real job if you just treat it like a job? There is just such an aloof thing. We have like this mystery. And I'm, so I'm so glad we're doing this show is we're actually talking about the tangible stuff that actually makes this stuff happen. Because it just seems like a fairy tale, like, oh, you're just discovered one day. And the acknowledgement that this is a craft and a skill set. I think it was Seth Godin I interviewed, and he said that the difference between a hobbyist and a professional is a hobbyist just enjoys it, but a professional understands that it's not the gods coming down and granting you access. It's something you have to bust your ass for. <laughs> exactly. Right? You know, he's got that book, The Practice, that like really dives into that mm -hmm. and like the whole that whole thing. And it's yep. actually really fascinating to read. Takeaways with Shania besides you love her and you think it's fun. She was singing in a bar at eight. Well, I wasn't in bars at eight, so. But you wish you were. <laughs> I guess I wish I was. Ways from childhood. Okay, so we've established there is a drive to succeed when you're going through hard times. Like, it, But it could go both ways. Like a lot of people would assume that, you know, maybe you're not worthy because you don't have a lot going for yourself. So like, why would I want to showcase myself? in front of these people to be judged even further. You know what I mean? Like that kind of upbringing is filled with self-doubt and, or the, so the other way is, is just lean into it and that's now your meal ticket. So it's all or bust. Totally. I don't really have like a huge takeaway from her childhood other than it made me respect her a whole hell lot more. And then also too, I, I thought it was really interesting. I, I listened to some of her music when she was a kid. This is old, like crazy ass stuff with her, like these big ass hair and stuff. It's really, really cute. But it was amazing how talented she was at that age. And I don't know, it, it hurts my feelings a little bit because I want to think that everything obviously is just hard work. But she obviously was so freaking talented at just a young age. Super talented. Um, you see all that footage? I mean, she got, she eventually got braces at some point and she must have because her teeth were mangled back then. They were really, I didn't, I didn't notice that. It was, I thought she was a British artist at first, but then she, okay. <laughs> Moving on. Let's jump into her career. How's that sound? Let's go. She continued to do these clubs and, you know, in the 1991 attracted the attention of this producer, Nora Wilson. Okay. So she was doing the Deerhurst Resort thing and she was part of this cast and crew and of just a whole thing, right? But she was creating demos, writing songs. And then this, uh, this woman, Nora Wilson took a shining to Shania. Shining. This house a real country. Is sh shining I got a shining for you. Ooh. And then, uh, exactly. Took her to Nashville and they recorded their first album. Well, let's talk about they renamed her around this time, didn't they? Because her name was Aline, right? Eileen. Eileen. And they didn't like that. So they changed it to Shania, which means I'm on, on my, way. my way. Ooh, we, we just harmonized together. Did you hear that? Let's try it again. Okay. okay. One, two, three. I'm, I'm on, on my, my way. way. <laughs> Ooh, we got to auto tune this podcast. So, with any debut album, you, it's sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. In my opinion, this worked, but in most people's eye, it did not work. It sold like a hundred thousand copies, which is nothing to to balk at. In, in the eye of the industry, that's that's kind of a flop. Tell me if I'm off on this. 
This album was written primarily by other people. And I know Shania is a huge songwriter. I mean, she loves writing songs. And I know she wanted to write her own music, but they were kind of like, eh, I don't know if they said you weren't ready for it or they just didn't trust her or whatever. But this whole bit was just really using her voice, not necessarily her storytelling ability. The thing about Nashville is, and the way it works is it's basically songwriting is an industry on its own. So like rock stars you listen to growing up, like they write their own music. And if they didn't write their own music, they were kind of sellouts. All right. But mm. in Nashville, it's this, it's an industry to write songs and then pitch those songs to major artists or developing artists and hope that that becomes a lottery ticket. You know, Shania comes to Nashville for the first time. They're going to assume she's probably not as prolific at writing as you know, three grown men who have been writing for several years. Oh, it has they, to be about were, men, doesn't it? That's the most sexist thing incorrect. you've ever said, Rory. Come on, what's that to do with me being a man? I'm just okay, sorry. I'm I love seeing you sweat. You're like, oh shit. <laughs> Maybe that's just it. Okay, that's just, that's okay. So now I'm sweating. Hang on. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Yeah, no, I get it. I get what you're saying. Like. You're a kid coming in. She literally was a kid at this time. You're new to the scene. If we're going to spend a ton of money and resources on you, let's make sure that this is structured in a way that we know is going to pop. And there's a formula to songwriting. It's a, Wait, exactly. So they're an investment. They cost a lot of money to record these albums and the labels putting up the money. So why? It's like if you were going to invest your own money, would you use an advisor or would you use Uncle Ned who lives in the corner of fifth and main you know what i mean oh, like it's uncle ned's such a good man that's true that's true but yeah so they released this album and again what else did i want i had something else well I this is really about. important in that album this is when she started showing her midriff she's wearing no, these crop no, no, tops no, no. come on that's important it was that one okay yeah, yeah, yeah the music itself was pretty good in quotes but the thing that got the made the most attention i guess was her first music video for what made you say that and that's where she showed her midriff the whole belly button thing which is not a big deal today, but back then, Ooh, it may scandalous. as well pornography. <laughs> yeah. And that's one thing I really, I told you before, you know, I've never really was turned on to her music or anything, but studying her, I really love how attention to detail she was on her appearance in the sense of like her costumes and her outfits and just having a really clear vision of how she wanted to present herself to the world. And I think this, we could see this right here at the very beginning. She made a conscious choice not to, and I'm not going to throw some names under the bus because there's some artists that I think just completely lean on their sexuality. But I think it's really cool when you can intentionally do that. You have the talent, but you also realize, you know, hey, man, like I break the mold here of what everybody else looks like. I'm going to dress differently. I'm going to be confident in it. I think it's super badass. Well, it's probably what got her to the next album, which is that thing caught the attention of producer Mutt Lang. Uh, Ooh, similar boy. to, like, he might have had a picture of her on his wall as well. I don't know. Maybe Mutt may have a lot in common. Who knows? But the point is, he saw this video. He's like, I could probably make a lot of money off this lady. No, that's well, not what he thought. He, that's maybe, terrible. <laughs> they probably fell in. He just, she's hey, a very captivating he? lady. Okay. Well, it's, I mean, midriff aside, it's just she's just got the X factor when you when you see her perform, whether she's showing midriff or not. She's just got that thing. So maybe he saw that in her. He's like, I would love to work with this lady. Does she impress you much? She impresses me way much. 
What was his job? Lang Mutt. Mutt Lang, it was a producer. He was Def Leppard's producer. He was Brian <gasps> Adams' producer. He was Michael Bolton's producer. Uh, he recorded with ACDC. So this guy's kind of a big deal in a whole different industry, like the rock world. It's, it's, it's a whole thing, which is what you know leads into Shania doing the transformation, kind of changing this, uh, this entire industry. How much older was he than her? Were they the same age? Because I know she was super young at this time. No, no, he was... I don't know the exact age difference. I would say 10 years. <gasps> wow. Wow, 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 wow. So, I mean, I mean, obviously this is a really cool thing, but we'll see later. It's not always the best, I think, to work with somebody that you're in love with. I don't know. They were in love at first. Like they, they had a working relationship, I suppose. They were coming up with ideas and stuff like that. They spoke on the phone every That's day. That's how it for like all starts. Something like that. And then, exactly. Over the phone was the, the old-fashioned version of Tinder. You can't swipe on a rotary phone, though. Did you used to spend hours on the phone when you were dating and with your wife and all that? When I could get... You go to sleep first. No, no because I met first. I met her during the... It was the beginning of Instant Messenger. So we had like MSN or ICQ and so no phone calls. Was it me. MySpace or Facebook? What do you got going? No, Facebook was a little bit after. Like the Instant Messenger was like I was before. Oh, AOL. I don't know. It was called ICQ, but it doesn't exist anymore, but it was way better than Amazon. That sounds Canadian. But anyways, so she hooks up with Lang, Old Mutt, which really is Robert John, this debut album. You said they don't, they didn't fall in love off the bat, but he, it says here that they met in person. Oh, they were DMing each other. And in 1993, and then six months later, they were married. I don't recommend that. Mm -mm. <laughs> Probably mm -mm. not. But then, okay, you build a relationship over the phone. These days, it's all in person. It's like all you're doing is swiping right on someone who you might not be physically attracted to, but it could be your soulmate. But they didn't have that back then. So it was kind of like, I'm just going to fall in love with this guy's voice. If she had swiped right or left in person, like he's, I would say she, <laughs> she married down, but I don't want to. Anyway, so I can tell when you're getting nervous. Alcohol. You're getting nervous. <laughs> I'm just sweating. I'm just sweating again. <laughs> How do I? So the woman in me is the first album they released, and it made it unique because they were trying to break the barrier, or they're trying to like you have Mutt's influence of the whole rock world and pop world, and then she's mm. got traditional Shania Twain doing her thing. It was like the perfect storm for Gosh. creating this unique album called The Woman in Me. And that's what's so interesting. We we've talked and talked and talked and talked about collaborations and there are just some that are just freaking magical that you can't you can't make up you can't plan you can't anything and when it happens you just have to freaking run which they did i mean i have here that they co-wrote 10 of the 12 tracks for her yeah, next album totally and it's do you know the lead single off that one is it called woman and me <laughs> any man of mine Never heard of that before in my life. I could be wrong, but that's a, that was a big song. Bed, have your boots been under? Maybe that's that was one. the first one. I Ooh. Ooh. Eight million copies of this thing sold. It won a Grammy for Country Album of the Year. And then they're like, oh my goodness, let's go out on tour. But then they abstain from going out on tour. Do you know why? Oh, I know. Because she wanted to get back to writing songs. And so she figured at that point, somehow she was kind of a little bit more tapped into her creativity and wanted to do that. Am I right? She was exactly the biggest selling country artist on the planet at the moment. And she could have had a headlining tour that would have sold out every night, mm -hmm. but she wanted, she wanted two hours of her own music. She didn't want to fill it with a bunch of covers, which I have seen before. I remember in the nineties, I saw Britney Spears, one of the arenas. I used to work there. I used to sling <gasps> beer back in the day. Anyway, I saw Britney on her first tour. All she had out was 
hit me baby and the, <laughs> the other hour and a half was like leading up to hit me baby with with covers and 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 god knows what so i guess Shania was trying to avoid that and so she went back to the studio or the writing rooms or whatever the heck she did and then she started writing her second album called come on over but before we get to that i think it's worth mentioning she was interested in country but she even when she said when she was younger she really kind of liked the rock star vibe and so was really interested in kind of diversifying her music and bringing more pop and rock inspiration into it but she was kind of pigeonholed with her debut album and even i think the woman in me which is mostly country and so when she went back to writing tell me if i'm off on this but i feel like she kind of set the vision to like incorporate more pop into this one they didn't want to like push the boundary too much with this first one. They wanted to make a, a statement, but it's the second album that was like the, let's let's do this pop thing. Cause the first one was sort of a, all right, we, clearly we have something here. Let's go into it. Before we jump into the second album, do you have any takeaways from where we are right now in career wise? Vision. She knew what she wanted to create. And I think the discipline and the vision that it took to know it. I mean, hell my friend, if you told me right now, like, Heather, you can go on a freaking world tour right now doing X, Y, Z. I would do it because I'm all stuck in my feelings like that and want to make something of myself. But for her to delay gratification like that and say, no, there's something more here. This woman has insane vision of what she wanted to create and who she wanted to be and what she wanted to say. She tore apart that marshmallow test, didn't she? For those folks who don't know what that is, it's that thing where they put the marshmallow in front of the kid and then they leave the room. It's like you have to, you either can choose to eat it right now, but if you wait, we'll give you two marshmallows when we get back. Half the kids eat the marshmallow, half the kids wait, and the kids that waited, you know, is apparently more disciplined or equals more success in the future. I don't know what the whole thing is, but... Yeah, just, I mean, just the, the whole delayed gratification. And I think that goes to the point that you always tell me about off air, y'all don't know, is Rory's really been talking to me a lot about just waiting and being patient with stuff, which is not my forte. Procrastination. I know. I don't struggle with procrastination. I struggle with the opposite of that. <laughs> exactly. Jump so. in the gun. That's the way I make love. Ooh. So my takeaway before we jump into the second one was it, she created her own lane. That's what made her stand out. Okay. So she's not competing with like Reba McIntyre or whoever the heck was at the top of the charts at that time. She wanted to go shooting for Michael Jackson, who was like at the top of the entire universe at the time. Right. That's another point too. Sorry to interrupt you, but I remember her saying, I think it was in her documentary that her vision was to go global. And she knew that in order to go global, she had to expand beyond country. Yes, exactly. But she, and by doing that, she kind of, she pisses off the purists and it, every, every generation goes through this kind of thing. It's like, that's not real country. That's not, we're going through it again right now. Country doesn't sound like anything like I used to listen to growing up. Does that bother that's, you? It, it does. Like back in Shania's day, I was like, this is way better than traditional country. And I was a huge fan in the last 20 years. I was a huge fan. And now it's just going into this direction that I don't understand or love as much as the stuff I grew up on. So it, there's resistance for me. At the end of the day, I don't care because I, I love people who pioneer things and I, it, we're evolving. But I can see why there's a lot of curmudgeons out there who didn't like what she was doing. But, and, okay, fast forward 20 years, people, the artists of today are congratulating and, and thanking Shania because without her doing that back then, they wouldn't be where they are now. So it's all for a reason. You know what I mean? Yeah. So the people disrupting and making your generation mad with stuff, someday our kids are going to be thanking them for disrupting the industry and changing it. Exactly. So 
although I don't love the music that they're creating today, I appreciate the disruptors. <laughs> Ooh, let's get t-shirts. So what happens next? Come on over. Is that the song? Come on over, Come baby. on over, baby. Yes. That was released in 1990. No, that wasn't her. That was, that was Christina Aguilera. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, you can tell I'm a Are you sweating now? Nandi's kid. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, okay, How's so, this yeah. one go? <laughs> <laughs> what was her song? Billy Jean? Come on over. Um, <clears throat> so this is this was a smash. So very seldom does every single on an album become a single. And that's exactly what happened with this one. So this album what made her the uh, the best selling female country artist in history i believe for one of the first ones to have two consecutive albums hit the 10 million mark these songs were jam dude like it is 2022 and these songs are still jam there they totally hold up that don't impress me much man i feel like a woman you're still the one i don't even like love songs i hate love songs like don't <laughs> i can't stand them <laughs> why it holds up though and then don't impress me much he says so you're brad pitt that don't impress he's still hot today <laughs> Is he like almost 60? The guy is like, he's on fire. I never even thought about that, but you're so right. That's hilarious. Back to the personal style and stuff. If you watch her documentary, she was so specific about how she wanted, like she's really big into the music videos, which I love music videos, man. Like music videos are life. And the visual, the costumes, I think she started getting into the leopard print stuff or whatever. And I, I know there's a story where she was like being photographed or something by some dude who had this like really clear vision and he's like directive with a lot of the female artists and they usually listen to him and she came in there and like no you're wrong this is what i want to do i'm paying you for it which i think is super badass especially during that time it is badass i actually I, i've experienced that kind of thing as well have you experienced it in your career what kind of thing well you just have to like you have to put your foot down like this person may have been doing it longer than you but why would you want your product to end up like everyone else's I feel like I'm just now getting to a point where I can object my voice that differs from somebody else because I have that natural kind of, I want to be Roy's friend and, you know, that personable stuff. But I've really realized how, what a weakness that is in, in me because I don't want to piss people off, but you just have to. You totally do. I'll give you a real life example that's related to this episode. Several times when I've recorded in Nashville, I'll be talking to the producer and the way the session players play the songs, like what session players do is that you're hiring them to play on your song. So my session players will be the same guy, the same guys that Shania uses, the same guys that Blake Shelton uses, just because that's their job. They just play music for people in the studios, right? And I would often try to like, could, you, could we try this, that, or the other thing? And they're like, no, no, this is how it's done. At the, in this in, in Asheville, this is how we make hits. So I'm like, well, I, I'm trying to differentiate from that. I don't want to do that anyway. Ultimately, they didn't become hits, so I should have pushed harder. But that's that's the, that's the thing in every industry. I think like no one wants to evolve, right? And that's what's so hard, I think, for creatives because you have to find that balance. Because we just said earlier, you know, in order for her to do her debut album and kind of break in, she had to play certain songs. But you don't want to stay in that place. So it's this weird freaking balance of playing the game, but also to honoring your vision and where you're at. And I think it's like a yin yang balance that, dude, you just got to figure it out because you can't be one way or the other. You're going to be really effed. Totally. And so that leads us into the third album because like she could have easily rested on the laurels of the second album and just repeated mm -hmm. the exact same album over again. 
but she didn't. She wanted to evolve even more. So then she went into this album called Up. Up. That's what it's called. Up. Up. But and before so, before Up, where did she move over to? So what's over like? Baby? Is it over? No, come on over. That's but a, that's did she a different say Baby artist. in it? Or is that Christina? That's, that's definitely Christina. Damn it. But where did she come over to? Shanae's biggest hit. Dirty. Her and Mutt, where'd she go before they moved up? to Switzerland because when yeah. you become the biggest country star on the planet, you don't want to be sitting around. You can't, you can't go to the grocery store in Nashville. I'm looking for tulips and some ripe apples. Uh, Shania, you're going to get mauled, right? So they went to Switzerland where no one knows who the heck she is. And I remember when they did that, like in interviews, like literally she could walk down the street and, and not be recognized at all. It sounds luxurious. But don't you think it's so weird how so many of us creatives like chase after people knowing who we are and then people who actually get to that point like the evidence the data is all there that it sucks and it's terrible but for some reason we all still want it you hear the same thing about finance it's like i hope that you put jim carrey's quote i hope that everyone can get rich and famous just so they can figure out that's not what they actually want yeah we're effed up as humans, aren't we? Okay, so she's in Switzerland. Uh, they have a, a baby or two over there, too. That's what happens up in Switzerland. I think this is the one kid, right? I think oh. they still only have one kid. I don't know. There's some babies that are coming, but then up happens. So they, yeah, they were these up, and they were these three different versions to appease you know everyone, right? So they have the country version so that the country people don't get pissed off. They release a pop version so they can evolve into this new stratosphere of musical stuff. And then they have a third version, God. which... It, like, it's a lot of work, I guess. But that it's, Gary uh, V would be proud, and you know it. He would be. He would be. At this point in time, Gary V was still like a teenager in his blind. <laughs> you know what Shania needs? She needs more blueberries. She's got on TikTok. TikTok wasn't invented yet, Gary. No, he'd be telling her to get on MySpace. MySpace. But I mean, again, back to the branding point. I think she's a freaking branding genius. I mean, to be willing to make and there's like some color combination. Red meant something, green meant something. I mean, they were all color-coordinated based off where they were going to. Uh, country was green. Blue version was international. Bollywood influenced. I'm getting these colors wrong. I don't know. But, I mean, my God. Again, her vision to be international. Well, I, I blame the colors she chose on the album covers for her ensuing divorce. This is wild. It is a little wild. And let me... Let me a throw little? this out. What you kind of lock jump... do you got? <laughs> so let me. I okay. I'm gonna throw this out there, and 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 so I learned of her ensuing divorce before the rest of the world. <gasps> you were involved. I was the cause of their divorce. No you wish. <laughs> she saw one of my music videos. She's like, you know what? This mutt thing is not working out. I need to no. So and I you're was like seven years old, and you're like, yes, ma'am. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. No, it was 2011, maybe. I forget exactly when it was. But I was in Nashville in the studio, again, using some of her session guys, specifically. The How old were you? Little guy in 2011? I don't know, 31. And so they're in the they're in the soundproof booth, yapping away, like gossiping like girls. And the mic was on. And Who I is? Them in the, exactly. I could hear everything in the in the control booth. And like I didn't, I, they probably shouldn't have been talking so candidly about it, but I was like listening in like, oh my God. <laughs> like no, no, no. Who was next to you? I was in the control booth. They were in the... Who's they? Hit the band, like her band, like the guy, guys from her, her band. Are you serious? Why would I make this up right now? Because you're a freaking comedian and you make crap up to make me laugh. So... A comedian, not a liar. 
<laughs> no, but have you seen, did you see, ever see her in the studio? No, no, no. Oh. She's in Switzerland, if we recall. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. So they were just yapping about it and you overheard it. I bet you. Exactly. Not. So, like, again, so she, in Nashville, the, the session players are just union guys. Like, they just, and they tour with her, or sometimes they tour with her and stuff like that. But anyway, they, everyone, knows each other and they were just gossiping in the studio mm -hmm. i overheard a few things i probably shouldn't have heard and then it hit the uh, hit the news like later that month my god so what we're talking about y'all i'm sorry we're all getting messy in here essentially shania has a bestie y'all know we all got our besties do you trust your besties watch out you don't know because her husband i don't know where she got this tip from or whatever but she's like money and acting right i think he's cheating on me so she goes to her bestie and she's like, girl, I think my man's cheating on me. And she's like, oh, no, he's not. Blah, 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 blah. Well, then later on, Shania's like, I think she said something like somehow got tipped off that she thought it was her best friend and goes to her best friend and accuses her. And her best friend just starts bawling like, I can't believe you would ever insinuate that about me. Blah, 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 blah. Well, guess what? I would do the same thing. Like, that's a great defense mechanism. No one wants to blame someone who's crying. But what was going on, Rory? Well, let me ask you, if you were banging your best friend's husband and they came to confide in you, what would your reaction be? I'd cry too. I a hundred percent, like I'm not saying what happened was right, but I totally get because when you get nervous, your emotions start going up. Shania, if you're listening, I'm not saying this was right. I promise you, girl, I'm on your side. You're a rock star. But you probably, she probably loves Shania and felt terrible. I don't think a lot of people who cheat are like malicious assholes. I think they're humans. Yeah, there was you know? there, there's no intent to hurt Shania. There wasn't that at all. It was right. Just, life happens, I suppose, and sometimes things happen in the crossfire. Well, and this gal wasn't in the music industry, was she? No. So that is like, so her personal life kind of takes a little dip here and inevitably her career takes a little bit of a dip too, because she just wants to take a beat and recover, I suppose. Well, she didn't just lose her husband. She lost her, her partner, partner, singer, songwriter, producer, like every, yeah. And to make matters worse, I mean, he married this girl. They got married. Well, so, and she married her ex-husband i know like it's just is she, you want to mess with my man i'll mess with yours i am shania effing twain she married marianne's husband marianne's married to mutt and she says that she have like a civil partnership with the kids but it's very like minimal like hey bobby's underwear's in his bag see you on tuesday right For, i mean so at this point the peak of her career let's just call it the peak is gone. So now everything else is just kind of... A, so let's take a, like a, a break here and tell me takeaways of her career thus far before we jump into more weeds. For me, the number one thing is the clarity of what she wanted to put out in the world and the willingness to sacrifice and go a different path. I mean, putting off a tour where you can make a ton of money, build up your fame... And delay that gratification is huge. I love the music videos, the visual element that she put into it. I love that she was sexual and not afraid of being that, but she also didn't lean so heavily into it that it took away from her talent. I think as a woman, there's like just this awesome balance there. I just think she's a complete badass and I don't even like country music. No offense, Rory, but I'm, I'm a huge it. fan of her. She, I mean, it, yeah, fast forward several years, she releases a couple more albums. Obviously, not as popular as the first ones. Now she has a residency in Caesar's Palace, which she uh, performs in. Really? Yes. Which goes back to a point that I make sometimes that <laughs> some may 
may disagree. I have been I'm quoted saying no once. <laughs> who you are, whether you're a, an actor, a, a rock star, you still gravitate to the comfortability of a job. You know what I mean? Like Caesar's Palace, like a residency, it's like you're playing the same mm. place every single night. It becomes routine. There's not a lot of travel involved. It's, it's basically like a cubicle for rock stars, right? And I hear actors talk about the same thing. They talk, they, they're doing these movies all over the world. And then sometimes they just find comfort in a show they record week after week. 10 miles from their house. What I love about her is, and I told you this when we were prepping for this episode, she didn't let what happened with Mutt and the devastation of that, not only from like a personal standpoint, but also from a career standpoint, ruin her career, tell her to stop. Oh, and one thing we didn't mention that was huge. This is insane, dude. She got bit by a fucking tick. She got bit by a tick. Lyme disease all over the place. It got Lyme disease, which ended up affecting her vocal cords. And there was one point where, and I want to say it was right around this time this shit went down with Mutt. Because she told in her documentary, there's a story of Lionel Richie coming to her and she's just kind of like, I don't think I have it in me. You know, her voice, everything that's been going on or whatever. But that girl has freaking rose above all the shit, everything that's happened to her in her life and just continued to press forward. And she looks, I think I have a bigger crush on her than you. I might put her on my wall. I don't know. But she looks amazing. I just think she's a complete badass. So now that we've dug into her life, for you as an artist and as someone who wants to advance their career outside of lusting up for the woman. What can we learn from her? I don't think you have shared, like, catch us up a little bit what your vision is, what you want to create as an artist, and then maybe kind of wrap that into what you can apply with Shania. I mean, my main goal is is back when I was in my 20s, I, I wanted to be successful. I thought that was the way to go. And then nowadays in my 30s, I was going to say in my 30s. <laughs> <laughs> my goal pulled up. <laughs> turn 42 next week a spoiler but oh. yeah i just wanted to be happy like i just wanted to to earn a living doing something i like to do and so i would love to read a book that says hey this is exactly what you need to do in order to get to where you want to go but at the end of the day you got to follow your own journey right and so i like the way shania that's how her journey sort of unfolded like she recorded this bad demo it had to be bad because she didn't have the resources to make an awesome demo, but that caught the attention of Noros. I don't even know if that's how her name goes, but Noros' attention, who eventually brought her to Nashville, made this first album, which was better than the demo, but still kind of sucked in the eye of everyone else, made this debut album with Mutt, which was amazing, but not as good as her second album, which was the best album in history. And it's just like, you have to build on that. You have to create something to create something better. You can't just go from, you know, playing at a bar as an eight-year-old to uh, come on over. <laughs> it just doesn't work that way. Come on over. Come exactly. <laughs> We're just going to so, sing. He can't raise a Kristen Aguilera song as an eight-year-old. But it basically, the in conclusion, it, it kind of, it gives me hope that's like, all right, what I'm striving for, it just hasn't happened yet because I haven't created the thing before it that's going to lead to that. I want to push back on you a little bit For God's because sake. like you said, you kind of introed the conversation of like, I just want to be able to make a living doing what I love or do what I love or something. I mean, in all honesty, you are doing what you love. You, God, you're, you're, I, I love your videos that you make, the, the music videos you've done, you get to travel, you get to stand on stage. So I want to push back on you a little bit because I know you do what you love. You get to. I think there's a little bit more there. And then you just alluded to Shania progressing. So for you, what is the next step, the next sense of progression that you want to see? Essentially, that's just it. Like, What's your goal? 
I've already reached my goal. That's what I'm saying. Like I, I'm, I'm in my, <laughs> my no, goals have already, already been met. I'm already doing what I want to do. And that was my goal. But at this point in time, in, in a creative space, like you want, what's the word I'm looking for? Progression. I guess more, yeah, progression. But like you want to uh, scale, you know what I mean? Like you do Evolve. things that you may not have... Uh, have done before expand creatively and then ultimately just yeah i mean i'm in the entertainment space so build a larger fan base and they, they keep it keeps growing year after year and eventually it'll get to a point where i will want to move to switzerland and my best friend's wife will hit you know give me her uh, 2.0 <laughs> food card at some stupid show and then there you go i think that's why we're such like good partners because you're so freaking chillaxed and it drives me nuts because i i'm like freaking out all the time and so high strung that i get what you're saying and i highly highly respect that it's just so hard to like not have that kind of anxious drive and sometimes that's a really good thing but sometimes it's a mental health concern <laughs> because <laughs> you just i don't know it seems like there's just there's just never ending goalpost but that's just a realization. You told me yourself the other day, you had spoken to someone, you had a conversation, which I've actually told this to someone else recently because I thought it was impactful. That you, They'd asked you, it's like, where do you want to, or what are you doing now? And you're like, well, I just did a podcast. I did a speaking event and blah, blah, blah. And then he's like, where do you want to see yourself in five years? You're like, I'd like to be doing some speaking events and some podcasts. <laughs> he's like, dude, you're doing what you want to do right now. Like, what's your yeah. problem? And it's a perception thing. It's like, yeah. you're already there. You just need to embrace it. You're 100% right. So main takeaways for you is, I want to make sure I understand this correctly. You're seeing her building upon success. Each success builds upon another. And so that gives you hope to see that for you to progress, that's all you have to do. This project to project to project. That's what kind of what I heard you say. Exactly. You've heard the term like fail forward. And not everything you create is a failure, but it's just a stepping stone into whatever the next thing is. And again, none of hers were, were failures like that. What they thought was a failure, that 100,000 albums sold with the first thing is a failure compared to their, her second album. But essentially, she had to create that first album to get Mutt's attention from that first video from that album. And then the, the second album proved to the rest of the world that, okay, country can be edgy. And that's what Come On Over was. It was like the edgiest country album of that generation. Were you this level-headed when you were pursuing music? I think it comes with maturity. I've always been a self-help junkie, like even in my in my younger days, which is why you and I got this thing going. Like we're both really into that world. We kind of we don't leave a lot out for luck, although luck is a, is a thing. It's, it's there's got to be a strategy for for how everyone gets to where they want to go, and that's what we're trying to unlock with some of these celebrities that we're profiling. So, like, give me your biggest fail this week. My biggest fail this week. I, I don't want to say, I don't know if this is limited this week. <laughs> Here's my biggest fail in general in life biggest right now. Biggest failure of life. How's that sound? <laughs> I'll, I'll open it up to that. And you know, so one thing I noticed about myself this week, I had a, a meeting with somebody and I just started talking about some of the stuff I was weak in and they were like immediately like, oh, you don't need to say that. You it, Whatever, you're doing a great job and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I don't mean it in a... Ooh. I honestly mean it as like a very objective view of like, okay, I really suck at this. And I feel like I have a really good tap on that, which there's the reason we want to do these failures is it has nothing to do with you suck. It has to do with awareness of where the hell you're at. You know, I'm really struggling right now with my vision. And I think that's why I kept saying vision over and over again, because spoiler alert, your takeaways with people is filtered through your own worldview. I am struggling with my vision because I'm unlike you, Rory. You, when you were 18, 19, 20 years old, you're like, hey, I want to be a performer. 
I just kind of fell into it over the past five or so years when I started getting on stages and acting and doing podcasting where I'm like, which granted when I was a kid, I used to do mad plays. It was insane. I wrote all of them. Um, where I'm like, oh my God, I love the, I love capturing people's attention and using story, but being older with kids and married and having a job and trying to figure out how to balance all of that, you feel like you've missed the boat a little bit, which I'm stubborn as hell and I haven't. But anyways, but you say, but the way you're, do you think there's a pattern that happens in a lot of people's lives? Like we spoke about it earlier where they try something creative in their younger days when they don't have that much responsibility, then they give it up to become an adult, quote unquote. They have their kids, they have their real job. And then they get to a point where you are right now where it's like, all right, I've done it. I I know I can be a mom. I know I can be a job person. Let's get back to the creative. A hundred percent. You're right. Because when I was in my 20s, I traveled around for a couple of years and did like a bunch of drama stage stuff and everything. And then I forgot about it. But anyways, now that I'm back to it, I think pinpointing, okay, right now I'm writing stories. I'm writing comedy. I'm podcasting. I'm acting. I'm doing like all these different things figuring out how do I identify number one as and what I really want to pour my intention to. That's what I've really been trying to nail down lately. All of it's good, but I want to be a master at something. So I think that's kind of, I don't want to say a failure, but my focus point right now is I don't have as much clarity. But I think clarity comes with doing. I am doing, dude. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I, I get you're frustrated <laughs> because it hasn't happened yet, or, or but it, I it told will you reveal I'm itself anxious. because you're putting energy into that space, whatever it is. It always drives me nuts when people like you are like, y'all are doing great. I'm like, I want to do more. <laughs> yeah, I <guess> so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ambitious. Okay, Rory. What about you? What is your uh, failure this week? What's your focus point? What's your weakness? How do you suck? Tell me. Let me tell you why I sucked this week. I did. I did a Saturday night show last. It was I guess the last week. And when you're in a club, you do the early show and the last in the late night show at the comedy club. First one, I killed the early show. I was just like trying new stuff out. They loved the new stuff. I was trying. I was doing some crowd work. They loved that. It was just I was you know top of the world. So I got off stage. As soon as the late night came or the late show. I was like, I got this. I was still, you know, overconfident from the first one. Well, I didn't got this. It was just not the same. It was quote unquote a bomb. And it's just I maybe I approached it with too much confidence. I, I didn't uh, you know, maybe I didn't have this this the right self-talk before jumping on stage, but it, it got same exact jokes, but different audience. So anyone who saw me in the late show it probably assumes I'm a a hack compared to the people who saw me in the first show. So it kind of reminded me it's like approach every single show as if it's the biggest one ever. Do you think the reason it didn't land is because it was a different audience? Audience does have something to do with it, but at the end of the day, if you're good at what you do, you could probably turn most people. I interviewed a hypnotist and he has a huge ass following, like millions of followers. So he's he's a performer and a hypnotist. I'm going to give him that credit. But one of the things that he said is part of his skill set is adjusting to the people in front of him. So he said, yeah, I'm great at being a hypnotist. But when I walk up to Rory and Heather, I immediately pick up their vibe and I shift everything to meet them where they're at. And I was like, damn, that is such a freaking good tip for performance in general. That's exactly what happened. So the early show was full of people our age and they loved all my jokes about kids and family and homeowning or whatever. (laughs) The late show was all kids. They were all like 20 years old, like a completely different stage of their life. And so I went up there confidently 
assuming it was you know a similar audience. I started talking about kids and home owning or whatever the hell, and they had no, it wasn't relatable to them. I didn't adjust accordingly when I should have. It's just a lesson learned. So this week, moving forward with this beautiful Shania Twain, I'm going to really work on my vision and getting clearer on what I'm wanting to put out into the world. You're going to be better with 20 year olds and stay away from Marianne's. Exactly. Anyway, have a good one. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, thanks for listening to Celebrity Self Help. Please leave us a rating and review. Let us know what you think about the show. And we're also on Instagram at Celeb Self Help. You can always send us a message and let us know who we should cover next.